Well, game one in the book right now, the NCAA Regional here in Starkville. Bulldogs an 8-4 winner today over the Sanford Bulldogs. That one versus four matchup state playing the early game today. And, Charlie, I guess this is the reason right here. You like to play the early game. Now we can kind of sit and watch and scout and get ready for tomorrow night. Yeah, it sure is nice to be able to watch a night game without the pressure of you being in it. Now it's just a question, who do you play tomorrow? And the one thing I've learned over the years, do not pull for the opponent, meaning don't ask for somebody because you just might get them. Got that right. Okay, so let's look back at this one and how it all broke down. First of all, I thought a good crowd here on a Friday afternoon. It was a hot day. Not that hot, though. It was a low to mid-80s. You had some overcast skies at times, and so it wasn't unbearable, but just a nice day at the ballpark. And you look how you know, you think about matchups, and we talked to Casey Dunn in our show yesterday, and he talked about, hey, I don't think our guys are going to be scared at all of the atmosphere. And let me tell you something, they weren't. Max Pinto, who hit a walk-off two-run home run to win their conference championship last week in their tournament to put them into the NCAA tournament. First pitch of the ball game goes opposite field, a home run, and all of a sudden, Sanford, that, that just kind of invigorated that first base dugout. One pitch just went right after it. But I tell you what, Will Bednar kind of settled down after that. He did, and then you come back in the bottom of the first at Strickland. We said coming in, and Casey Dunn told you this, that's a guy who's not going to be intimidated by the crowd. He's not a guy who's going to be nervous. The problem that he had today wasn't so much him. It was kind of some of the guys playing behind him. You fall behind one to nothing, and you want to answer in a hurry, and you kick a ball out in right field, then don't make a play on a ball hit on the ground in the infield. And boy, that was a you know really kind of a tough luck deal for Strickland, but I thought he competed on the mound for Sanford today pretty well. Well, he really did. You know, you get that ball out in right field, Rowdy Jordan, first pitch swinging, and which was kind of a common theme for Rowdy today. You know, looking at Rowdy's five at-bats, he doubled on that first pitch of the first inning. Now, they give it a double. It went in and out of the glove. Okay, Coach Polk, I walked up to Coach Polk, and he was like, can you believe they gave that (laughs) guy a double on that? And so then Rowdy singled his second at bat on the first pitch. He doubled on the third pitch on an 0-1 pitch in the fourth inning, flight out on the flight out to center field in the sixth inning on a 1-1 pitch, and then the first pitch of the eighth inning, a fly out the right field. So Rowdy was very aggressive at the plate today. The deepest he goes is three pitches in an at bat. And, Charlie, you and I have talked about this. It's almost like this team kind of follows the aggressiveness of the top two guys in the order Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen today. Rowdy had three hits in the game. Tanner had two. Tanner had an RBI in the fourth inning on a ground ball. But those guys continue to set the tone for us at the top of the order. Well, and then just kind of extended a little bit more. Cameron James goes 0 for 2, but he has two RBIs in the game. And if ever there was a guy who would like to make Samford our permanent opponent, <laughs> Luke can clean up today. <laughs> I mean, Hancock had two home runs against Sanford the first time we played them. You know, that was back in March. We won 10-2 to in a Tuesday night game. But how about Luke Hancock today? Three for three, was on base four times. He was hit by a pitch in the first inning. Drove in three runs with three singles in the game today. And so, yeah, top of the Bulldog order was outstanding. Charlie, let's look back. At, you know, we talk about Pinto leading off the first inning with that home run. And then you had a two-out single by Tyler McManus 
Will Bednar able to get a strikeout of Ryan Crockett to get out of the first inning. But the thing that Sanford was able to do, they were able to kind of run up some pitch count in the first inning. And you, on the first day, on a hot day, what's one of the big things we talked about starting Bednar? You want to get him deep into the game to save your bullpen for the regional. And so at that time, you were a little bit apprehensive about how far he may go after throwing 21 in the first. Yeah, see, through 21 in the first, and the other thing I would say is there wasn't a a relaxed period within that 21 because they were up there just sitting fastball. And so he had to go with a slider a bit more and was fortunate to be able to locate it. But he had to work through those 21 pitches. There was no easy spot anywhere in there because, look, at one point he throws one up there about 97 and they're sitting up there trying to turn on it. That's not something he's seen a lot. And I thought Samford, man, give them credit. They came out, thought they'd take some big hacks, and he had to work. But so you have that problem in the first, but then the second and the third really turned it around for him. Really did. Look at the second inning. First batter, first pitch, Caden Dreyer hit by a pitch. He got a big strikeout of Towns King looking on a 3-2 pitch for the first out of the second inning. So you've got that runner at first and one out. You hit a ground ball to the shortstop, and Forsyth starts a 6-4-3 double play. That was a huge double play. Saved so many pitches. He threw only 10 pitches in the second inning. So all of a sudden, you go from being kind of over what you want to do in the first inning, those 10 pitches kind of draw you back into pretty much on key. You're looking at 15 pitches per inning. That's the average you like to look at. And then all of a sudden, Bednar's thrown 31 pitches in two innings, and you're right back on track. And then he comes back and has a 10-pitch inning, I think it was, in the third. And so now you're sitting here at 41 through three, and all of a sudden that ratio that was tilted the wrong way is back in your favor. Well, in that third inning, too, he got a couple of fly ball outs to right field and a strikeout. But the thing he was able to do in the third inning was pitch with a lead. In the bottom of the second inning, Cumbus leads off, hits a ground ball to the third baseman that he boots. Third baseman Will David had a high hop, came up, chest high, couldn't make the play, so Cumbus is on first. And then Kellum Clark pulls one through the right side. And so all of a sudden you got something going if you're state. Lane Forsyth at the plate with runners at first and third. Cumbus able to take third base on that single by Kellum Clark to right field. Obviously going you know down action on anything. And then Brad trying to score on that ground ball and ends up getting getting thrown out at the plate. And so you kind of trade runners right there. You put two on, Forsyth and Clark at first and second instead of having that runner at third. You know, Cumbus, if, if he's going on down action, kind of sometimes you got to know your speed and know where that down action is going to. Sometimes you see guys that let it get past the pitcher before you make that play. He was trying to be aggressive, and, you know, you give credit to Strickland and making that glove play and the underhand toss, and you get that lead runner at the plate. So – at the time, that seemed like a really big deal, having Combus cut down at third. The alternative, though, if he scores, if he's allowed to score, or more likely if he just doesn't run. So if he's held at third, you're going to get the out at first. So you're basically going to be in a situation where you still have you know, two guys on. Uh, but then what happens is we kind of bail him out a little bit because – we're able to get some runners on, push it across, and ultimately this, you got the same number of runs. So it was said a couple of times Mississippi State you know, lost a run at the plate. 
They really didn't because no, no. ultimately you were able to walk a couple of times, get a base hit from Hancock, and you push the same number of guys across the plate that you would have. You kind of you kind of erased the mistake at that point. Yeah, you did. You didn't lose the run right there. You just traded the runners, what you did. Forsyth ends up getting to first on that play. He would have been thrown out if you don't throw out Cummins at the plate. And so Forsyth later scored in that inning on the two-run single by Luke Hancock. And so we get three in that second inning and take a 4-1 lead in the game. And then all of a sudden it kind of felt like, okay, everything's kind of in mode a little bit. And so, yeah, a good start today. That was a big key. And uh, this post-game wrap, of course, I'm in the Bank First studios here in Startwell. Charlie is off-site. He'll be back in town on Sunday. But Bank First, they have locations in the state of Mississippi and in Alabama. It's a local bank. It's who I bank with. It's who Charlie banks with as well. And so Mo Griffin and the gang at Bank First, our studio sponsor, and this is the Bank First Studios. And I tell you what, Charlie, the ability to get that lead, like you said, and for Bednar to pitch with a lead in the third and then again in the fourth inning, he looked like a guy out there was just comfortable in the middle innings. Yeah, was able to look, just run through some outs, and that was the big deal. We talked about a lot. In this game one, you did not want to deplete your bullpen. I thought we went with Bednar longer than I expected, but it's because he was able to kind of plow through that second, third, and fourth then kind of runs into a little trouble, but gets around it again in the fifth. Okay, how you manufacture runs without driving in hits. I thought that was the big key, what you talked about. You sent a tweet out about six of our eight runs scored without a base hit. You look at the fourth inning. Five of our eight. Five of the eight. eight. Okay, so we've got a 4-1 lead. We go to the fourth inning. Rowdy doubles into the left field corner and then is able to steal third. And that stolen base was so huge because Tanner Allen's at the plate. He steals third on the on the first pitch, and then on the 1-0 pitch, Tanner grounds the ball to the right side. You score that run from third, and then all of a sudden you've got you know a 5-1 lead in the game, and you're in the fourth inning. And so just little things in this game. It's amazing. And, Charlie, we talked about that, about how when you get into this time of year, about how guys change their approach at the plate. Tanner Allen with that runner at third and less than two outs, he became a guy that just wants to put the ball in play. And that's what he did, and that's how you score get runs, and that's how you win games at this time of year. We were outstanding today in two facets. Number one, getting guys to third base with less than two outs. We did that six times today. We were even better at getting them home. We scored five of those six. Cumbus, two got thrown out at the plate. The only guy we got to third with less than two outs that didn't come in to score. That's winning baseball right there. And you go back again, most of those weren't with hits. They were ground balls. We had two sack flies, two ground balls, and a walk that pushed guys in from third base. And that doesn't, doesn't light up your scorebook, right? It doesn't make a guy's stat sheet look great. You know, maybe a sacrifice here or there, an RBI, but nothing that is, you know, going to be that big ticket item that you can brag about, but it's what wins baseball games. You said in our preview show for this regional that the key for Mississippi State was going to be, and, and look, we were, I don't think we were being critical we, because I think this term is misunderstood a little bit, but this idea of guys having, having selfish at bats, and what you mean by that is guys trying to do something that's just too much, trying to, trying to have a big hit, trying to, you know, impress a scout when sometimes that ground ball is what's the key to winning. 
I thought we saw this team make that transition today. You know, one of the big keys when you're playing a team like Sanford, and we talked about it a moment ago, and we talked with Casey yesterday, Casey Dunn over at Sanford, about lift, about swinging from the heels. I mean, this team takes some big swings. They try to run into one in a hurry and try to turn around fastballs. They're up there hunting fastballs. They hit three home runs in the game today. They hit eight home runs in their three tournament games in the SOCON tournament last week. This is a home run hitting team. The key to beat a team like Sanford is to keep guys off the bases. If they hit a solo home run, hey, clap your hand, okay, good job, nice swing. They hit three home runs today, and all three were leadoff solo home runs. A leadoff solo home run in the fifth inning after that leadoff home run in the first. Dreyer comes up, hits the home run to left field, and then quickly Will Bednar gets the next guy, Towns King, to ground out. Then you had the error. And then the double by Taylor Garris, sack fly from Pinto, drives in Will David, and then all of a sudden it's a 5-3 game. And it really tightens things up just a tad. And then the Bulldogs, you know, able to get a run in the sixth inning. Leadoff double from Brad Cumbus. Man, he smoked that ball into the left field corner. The left fielder King had no chance to get to it, even with a good angle. Couldn't get to it. You get that leadoff double. Kellum Clark pulls the ball to right field. And, Charlie, to me, one of the big plays of the game was Kellum Clark, that fly ball to right field with a runner at second base and nobody out, able to get that runner, like we talked about, big plays, little things to get the runner to third base in less than two outs. And that's one of those you go back because he's able to move the runner, Forsyth comes up, hits a fly ball, gets the run home. And so one of the keys, you know, Forsyth is going to get the RBI in the book. He's going to get the sacrifice in the book. All Kellum Clark is going to get is an over one. That's nah, not going to hurt too bad. He had two hits today, right? But on that at bat, he gets an over one. The stat book says he did nothing of value. The stat book is wrong because he was directly related to us getting that run home because he got the runner to third with less than two outs, allowed the sacrifice fly to come into play. And I had somebody ask me about that on Twitter. You know, doesn't he get a sack fly? The sack fly rule and the sacrifice bunt rule are different, obviously. If you are bunting and you are attempting to move a runner and you advance him from first to second or second to third, you get a sacrifice. On a fly ball, it's got to score him. If you're moving a runner from second to third on a fly ball, a line drive, what have you, you've got nothing to show for it, but it goes back to playing winning baseball. And I thought that was actually one of the key at-bats in the entire ball game. So you take a 6-3 lead at the time, and then Will Bednar goes back out to pitch the seventh inning. You know, he gave up a leadoff double in the sixth inning, then bounced right back, got a fly out, a strike out, and a ground out to get out of the sixth inning. I thought at the time, to be honest with you, if it's regular season, we probably don't see Bednar at all in the seventh inning. You may not see him in the sixth. But then you get an extra run, you go to him for another inning, and then you get to the bottom of the seventh inning, a leadoff single by Tanner Allen on an 0-2 pitch. Man, you talk about a bad pitch on 0-2. Tanner didn't hit it hard, got it into center field. We're able to score two runs in that seventh inning. And so you push a 6-3 lead to 8-3. to And what does that do? If you're Scott Foxhall sitting in that third base dugout, you take a magic marker, you take that Sharpie, and you just mark right through Landon Sims' name. That took him out of the game. And so you've got an 8-3 lead. You can pitch guys. You can throw Preston Johnson. You can throw Stone Simmons. What did Simmons. I tell you, by the way? 
What, what did I tell you before he came in? <laughs> you said, I don't know if I like Johnson right here. And then the first pitch, boom. Deshara, oo pitch, first pitch of the eighth inning. I'm talking about hit it a ton to left field. Yeah. But I tell you what, but I tell you what Preston did though. He came right back against McManus, a very good hitter who was two for three, had a double in his previous at bat, and he got a huge strikeout on a breaking ball. And let me be fair, because I'm a Preston Johnson fan. My thought was a little bit like why did I not want to see Christian McLeod today? It had to do with the team we're facing. I was just thinking, you know, this guy's going to kind of be up some. Um, yeah, so yeah, I sent you the text, and one pitch later, one rides out there. But as you said, he bounced back. And the good thing is we didn't have to use him a lot. He didn't throw a ton of pitches. No, he didn't. And I thought that first out, it does two things. One is it settles him down, but it also shows Sanford – that, yeah, I've got a, a high RPM fastball, but I've also got a breaking ball I'll drop in there on you. And that's what he did with McManus with two strikes. He was frozen on that breaking ball with two strikes. Then he comes back, gets a fly out from Crockett and the pop-up on the infield from Dreyer and gets out of that eighth inning. And so then you're, hey, it's eight to four. You're feeling good about it. State goes on the win. Kellum Clark had a double in the bottom of the eighth inning. He hit the ball extremely well today. I still like that freshman in the DH spot. Even in the left-on-left situation, he went two for four today. Had a big fly out the right field, as you said, that really does nothing for the stat book. But he hit the ball well in left-on-left situation. So overall today, I thought a very good, solid offensive output and he got a quality start, Will Bednar, seven innings of work. I thought today is, a good, today is as good. If you're a Mississippi State fan, today is as good as you could ask for. Absolutely, because nobody is burned other, of course, than Bednar. And I don't care if this thing goes to Monday. You're not seeing Bednar again. We've talked about Eric DeBose pitching two complete games in a regional. That was a Thursday, Monday. This is a different story. And talked about a lot this year. Scott Boxhall, Chris Lamonis, it's like they've kind of saved this pitching staff for this time. 117 pitches from Bednar today. We would not have thought about seeing that three weeks ago. All right, Charlie, our big play brought to you by Two Brothers Smoke Meats. Two Brothers, if you're looking for a place to go before or after the game, Two Brothers on University Drive. Charlie loves those tacos. I love the smoke wings. Really, to be honest with you, I've never had anything bad on the menu. Here's the thing about restaurants. When you go to restaurants, you want something that is consistent. You want to know every time you darken the doors of a place that you're going to get a good meal. And that's the thing that I get at Two Brothers. Every time I walk in the door, I know I'm going to get something that I like, and I know I'm going to have a good experience. They've been a great addition to the Startwell restaurant world. And so if you're in town this weekend, if you're coming into town tomorrow, make sure you head over to University Drive at Two Brothers Smoke Meets. And so, Charlie, Two Brothers brings you our play of the game. I've got my play of the game. What was yours? I'm going to get laughed at for saying this. I'm going to get absolutely laughed at, but I'm going to say it anyway. Rowdy Jordan's first at bat of the ball game. Rowdy Jordan comes in. After we'd seen Pinto Homer to start the ball game, and all of a sudden we're down one to nothing, you can get a little restless. And the pressure can build, but Rowdy comes up, and again, he puts a ball that look, should have been caught, play should have been made, but it wasn't. He wasn't standing around looking at it. He wasn't pouting. He wasn't throwing his bat. He was having a professional at bat. He was running it out. He ends up at second, and we're able to manufacture a run from there. I thought getting something going 
and showing the rest of our team it's okay to be aggressive at the plate. It's okay to play hard. Don't worry about the run. I thought that was big for us not to let the crowd get anxious early in the game. I could go with that. I understand that. Trying to just get back in the game was big. You get the three runs in the second inning. Okay, I got a couple there. We talked about the double play. I thought the double play was massive in the second inning of getting Will Bednar off the field in the second. You hit the first batter, got the strikeout. Then you get the 6-4-3 double play to save pitches to get you through the game. I thought that was massive to save the bullpen. But also look at another little thing in the game in the seventh inning. I thought the leadoff single from Tanner Allen and Casey Dunn in the first base dugout, he was visibly upset when he give up an 0-2 single to center field. But plating two runs in the seventh inning, plating two runs, scoring two runs and taking it from 6-3 to three to 8-3 to kind of removed all doubt of how you wanted to handle your bullpen. And, of course, you never know. I'm, I'm going to say if we're looking at Sunday, if we're sitting here in good shape on Sunday at 2-0, and then we look back to that point and say we didn't have to use a huge bullet out of the bullpen and not taking anything away from Preston Johnson. He's a big bullet. Stone Simmons has emerged into a, a decent-sized bullet, probably a 38. He's not a 22. He's not a 45. <laughs> he's probably a 38. But we didn't use the big one. We didn't use the 50 you caliber. Use the howitzer no, <laughs> we, we didn't have to use that. I thought that was so big for us to get those two runs in the seventh inning and those big plays of the game brought to you by our friends at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. And so, Charlie. You know, one thought on that, Bart. I don't think that changes the ball game. I think it changes the weekend. And what I mean by that is exactly what you just said. We were going to win that game once we were up 6-3, 6-4. The question, though, was what were we going to have to spend to win it? And I thought adding those runs completely changed the way. You talked about it a minute ago. Just right straight through Sims' name, you're not using him today. And what does that mean? We're going to face a good team tomorrow. And now you've still got you still got that arm sitting out there ready to go. And, Charlie, I didn't want it to be another situation like Missouri where you win game one. You may win game one, but winning game one how you want it costs you game three because of the guys you had to bring in. Yeah, it, victories can be expensive. And fortunately, today, we didn't have to spend a lot to get the win. All right, Charlie, before we get out of here, it's time now to take a look at today's stats brought to you by Maroon and White Realty. Maroon and White Realty, Sterling Dahl and those guys, they've got their nose to the ground with the Startwell real estate market. They know everything that's going on. And if you're looking for property management, if you're looking for rental for a student, if you're looking for anything to do with real estate, looking for land, they can find it. Maroon and White Realty here at Starville, Sterling Dahl, those guys bringing you our postgame stats. And let's look at the Bulldog offensive stats in the game. Rowdy Jordan, three hits in the game, went three for five, couple of doubles in the game. Batting average now sitting at 321. You had a three for three day from Luke Hancock, three RBIs from Luke today. His batting average now up to 279. So a couple of guys in the lineup with three hits in the game couple of guys with two hits in a game. Tanner Allen was two for four today, had an RBI. His batting average now at 386. Kellum Clark in that DH spot in the eighth spot in the order today, he was two for four, had a double. 
His batting average at 269, beginning to creep up just a tad. So that's a look at the Bulldogs offensively. A one-for-four day for Brad Cumbus, who hit the ball well. I thought Brad hit the ball extremely well today. Hit it on the screws. Didn't have a whole lot to show for it. He had the double, but he went one-for-four in the game. And it was good to see Brad Cumbus, you know, with that left-handed starter. State's kind of been in a roller coaster out in left field and at third base. You go with Cameron James at third today. Brad Cumbus out in left field. And, you really you got two RBIs out of Cameron today. You've got a one-for-four day with a double and a run scored from Brad Cumbust, and so those moves worked today. Yeah, absolutely. And, look, Chris Lamonis has pushed buttons. He has moved pieces all year long. Hadn't always worked, but he has made the effort. Today it paid off. And for Sanford, they had just one player, Tyler McManus, in the four spot in the order. He's the only guy with multiple hits. He went two for four today and had one double in the game. Is now batting 339 on the season. And so, you know, line totals in the game. State, eight runs, 11 hits, commit one error in the game, and leave five on the bases. Samford, four runs on just seven hits today, one error, and Samford leaves six on the bases. Pitching-wise, Sam Strickland for Samford went five innings. He gave up six runs, only three earned on eight hits and five innings of work. Just one strikeout, one walk. He threw 88 pitches, 54 strikes, and he takes the loss. He's now 5-4 and four on the season. Bordak came in, pitched the final three. He gave up two runs on three hits. Both those runs were earned. He struck out two, and he walked. He did not walk anybody. So Sanford pitching today had three strikeouts and just one walk. Bordak out of the bullpen threw 34 pitches. If you start thinking about down the line for Sanford out of their bullpen, they used two left-handers today. State pitching-wise, Will Bednar improves his record to 7-1 and one on the season. Seven innings of work, three runs, two earned on six hits. So six hits and seven innings of work, eight strikeouts, just one walk. Preston Johnson came in to pitch the eighth inning, gave up one run on one hit, that solo home run, one strikeout, no walks. And then Stone Simmons in the ninth inning pitched one inning, one strikeout, one walk, did not allow a hit nor run in the game. So Preston Johnson threw just 15 pitches, 10 were strikes. Stone Simmons threw 14, eight were strikes. So neither one of those guys, you, you didn't spend a whole lot with the guys out of the bullpen today. But how about the effort of Will Bednar? 117 pitches today. That's a season high. 77 strikes. He gave up some loud balls today, but hey, this is a Sanford team that's up there looking for fastballs, and that's what they do. They're going to get loud outs. They're going to get loud hits, And but for the most part, Will Bednar was exceptional today. Well, he gave you what you needed. He ate up some innings. He got you a win, and so you can start to look forward to tomorrow. And those post-game stats brought to you by our friends at Maroon and White Realty here in Starkville. So, okay, now, Charlie, we turn our attention to tomorrow. State will play the 7 o'clock game tomorrow night. So you do play the late game tomorrow night against the winner of VCU and Campbell. And so looking at the possible pitching matchups of how everything looks for both of those guys and who they're throwing tonight, Kind of think if VCU wins tonight, you'll see the right-hander, the freshman Mason Delane tomorrow for for VCU. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, that's my thought. So he's a right-hander. He's pitched a bunch this year. But, you know, he hasn't gone more than five innings in a game. He's an interesting case. He hasn't – he has not had one of those disastrous games, basically the worst you can say, unless you go all the way back to early March. But here in the past couple of months, worst he's done five runs over five innings. Doesn't give up a ton of home runs. He's a right-hander. 
and pitched some last year. I mean, the guy's the guy's thrown. He is, uh, you know, a quality pitcher. He's not great. He's a quality pitcher. And so you've got a, a reasonably, I'd say a reasonably favorable matchup in that you're looking at a guy who's got a 3-0 record, but his ERA is over four and a half. And like I said, has not gone deeper than five innings. So all of a sudden, you'll be able maybe to get in that bullpen tomorrow. If, of course, you're playing VCU. If not, you're looking at a left-hander for Campbell. And Yeah, yeah Ryan Jackson. Boy, I hate, yeah, I hate starting to pick who I want. Um, but with this lineup of ours, you want to see a righty or a lefty? What would you rather see? Well, we saw the lefty today, and, you know, Cumbus was good out in left field. I mean, you hit it okay today, lefty, but you've got some guys. Man, I'll tell you what, I love I love Tanner Allen against a right-handed pitcher. I love Rowdy Jordan batting from the left side. I just like us better. I like us better against the starting righty. But, boy, I sure do like Cameron James better against the left-hander. I was thinking today, you know, when you're trying to get him out and you don't have that slider coming from a right-hander, it really changes the way you have to attack him, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Because, I mean, you're going back foot, and it's not a situation where he's coming out and reaching. I thought Cameron did a good job today of kind of staying within himself. And, and hey, here's the thing about Cameron James. And we're sitting there saying it right now. Hey, the breaking ball is a kryptonite for Cameron James. How many guys have we seen, the Brent Rookers, the Hunter Renfros, and all these guys who are right-handed hitters that have trouble – with that down and away slider early in their career, you still got to think this is the first year he's seen SEC style pitching. That's one of those things he's going to figure out. He's going to be okay. You talk about chassis in the left-hander for Campbell. If Campbell wins, they've got Thomas Harrington going later tonight. If chassis's the guy, the left-hander, he's six and two, 14 starts, 67 hits and in 73 innings. So he's less than a hit per inning. 70 strikeouts, 29 walks. He's a guy that's going to walk somebody about every two innings. Team's batting 238 against him, 12 wild pitches and nine hit batters. I mean, he's he's got some effective wildness to him. But, uh, hey, we'll just see how it goes. Now we can just sit back and watch it, Charlie. That's the good thing. And we get back at it tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. But at the end of the day, today was a good day. Today was a good day, but tomorrow is a new day. We'll see how it goes. Got that right. I guess we'll be back, right? Yep. Post-game tomorrow? We'll be back. Post-game show late tomorrow night on our post-game wrap. Once again, thanks to our great friends at Bank First, the Bank First Studios here in Starkville, and then Maroon and White Realty with our stats and our play of the game brought to you by Two Brothers Smoked Meats on University Drive. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on this first day of the NCAA Regional in Starkville State, an 8-4 win over Sanford in Game 1. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on the postgame wrap.